0: Good morning, good morning, good morning. I'm going to put my timer on right now because you don't want to hear from me for forever this morning because there are so many other good things. So I don't want to take up all of your time, so I'm timing myself. So that's this little thing here I'm doing. Um, All right. It's really nice to see you. How beautiful is it today, this week, this weekend? Oh my gosh, it's amazing. And if you are not a Monterey local, like you're here interim kind of thing, These are special times for us all, so soak it up, because in June, it's probably not going to be like this. (laughs) My, my, My husband and I were at Carmel Beach yesterday, just walking the beach and just enjoying the sun and the beauty, and we were like, man, you really could come down here any given day in the month of June, even July, and you would not get as much sun and beauty and clear skies as we're getting right here in the middle of February, so soak it up, all right. Um, Real quickly, I just wanna share with you, we're in a new year, it's 2022. I know we're already well into the new year, but every year we kind of, um, well, the last couple of years anyway, we've had sort of a theme, an overarching theme for our women's gatherings. We only have three this year. So we have one right now, we'll have one in May and we'll have one in July. And then the last final women's event we'll have for the year is our women's conference, which won't have anything to do with our theme for the year necessarily, not that I know of yet. Um, so we just have three gatherings and we really, we have a team of women that put these events on and we really prayed about and sought the Lord like, God, what, what do you want these times to look like? What do you want these times to be about? So real quickly, I just want to share with you, you might have heard on a Sunday morning announcement or something like that, the overall theme for our year is love one another and each month we're just going to focus on how we as women can better love one another and we're actually with each gathering going to tackle a specific topic about loving each other and kind of unpack it and look at what it looks like to love one another in three specific ways and every gathering is going to include a time of worship and a little bit of a teaching and sometimes we'll have testimonies that relate to our topic, we might have a QA and a that relates to the topic, and we're really going to try hard to always provide you with, at the end of the time, some resources that can further equip you um, in learning how to love one another better. So those are what our gatherings are going to look like this year, and um, I hope you join us for all of them. But today, here's what we're going to do. Um, for my part in the day, I know Bree gave you a picture of the whole day, but for my part in the day, I'm just going to unpack for you a little bit what it means to love one another since that's our big overall theme. And then I'm going to show you how comforting each other can be a very practical way that we love one another. And then I'm going to introduce those beautiful women that Bree was talking about to share their stories. So, uh, let's begin by thinking about this concept of loving one another. Um, In the Gospel of John, in chapter 13, in verse 34, Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he said this. He said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, so you also ought to love one another. So Jesus commands his followers to put in the effort to love each other. Now, we can't miss something important there. Jesus said, as I have loved you, right? So just like on Sunday night at our growth night, we have got to take a minute and pause and think about to get deep in our hearts, deep into our minds, in our bones, the reality that God loves us. I'm not going to spend really a lot of time talking about it. If you want to get the podcast from our growth night, Last Sunday, you could hear a little bit longer of a teaching that talks about, um, part, in part, how much God loves you. But in that teaching, we studied Mark 12. And Jesus answered a question where somebody asked him, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, well, the, the most important thing you can do with your life is know me. Know my love for you. And then respond with loving him, with loving me, Jesus said, and loving others. 1 John 4.11 puts it this way. He says, Beloved, if God so loved us, so we also ought to love one another. So we've got to know God's love for us. We've got to know God's love for us, and then we can respond in loving others around him. So let's get the order right. Let's know God's love and then respond. But back to John 13. It feels like the meaning of that verse, you know, Um, A new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. You also love one another. It feels like if you really think about it, the meaning of that is not especially difficult to understand. Jesus told us to do it. He said, love one another. He said, after loving him, it's the most important thing we can do with our life. Okay? Study's over. Go love one another. Easy peasy, right? It feels like it should be, but it's just... It's just not. And if we're all honest, we just know it. We know that it's a really important thing to do. We could all say that in this room. It's really important to love each other. But for lots of different reasons, we could all get better at it. The book of First John gives us some really great insights into this commandment. And chapter 3 helps us to understand some of the things that keep us from loving one another. I mean, the Bible talks about loving each other a hundred times. Loving each other a hundred times. It's something that we just don't get. So anyway, the the book of 1 John, chapter 3, it gives us some insights into why we might not. And I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version of chapter 3. Okay, another podcast plug. Pastor Nate did a really great teaching on 1 John chapter 3 verses 11 to 18. If you go to calvary.com, you can look it up. It's called How to Love God's People. Okay? That's a really thorough teaching. Everything I'm going to say, I just pulled straight from his teaching right now. <laughs> okay, here's the cliff notes version of Nate's teaching, okay? Not everything I'm going to say all day, just in this moment. <laughs> he said there's a really strong temptation or the chapter 3 verses 11 to 18. it, it Jesus acknowledges, gosh, there's just this really strong temptation to not love. And sometimes that temptation plays out in something like an all-out hatred, like in the story of Cain and Abel in the book of Genesis where a brother murdered another brother. But usually, or more often, that temptation to not love, it basically comes out in indifference. It comes out in not seeing, not noticing are not caring enough about the people around us. And how do we fix that, right? Remember Jesus said, as I have loved you, so you also ought to love one another. That means we can look to him to see the remedy of how we can fix the problem of a lack of love, how we can fix the problem of a little bit of indifference in our hearts. Well, if we kept on going in 1 John 3:16 not John 3:16 although that's a love verse too but in 1 John 3:16 it says this by this we know love because he meaning Jesus laid down his life for us so also we ought to lay down our lives for others you see that is the remedy That is the picture of what loving each other looks like. Jesus laid down his life for us. Yes, he demonstrated the greatest act of love, right, in all of history when he laid down his life on the cross. But remember, his entire earthly life was a series of selfless, even daily sacrifices for the sake of the people around him. That is how Jesus showed love. That's how Jesus, in a way, overcame the temptation to not love. And he's asking us to follow that example. So we also ought to lay down our lives for each other. That's our definition of loving one another. And I want to color it in a little bit for you, like I mentioned earlier, and look at something specific, a specific way in comfort that we can lay down our lives for one another. This is a way that we can fight against this temptation to indifference. So let's think about comfort for a minute. The Bible has a lot to say about comfort. The first thing it, I want to tell you is that the Bible says that God is our greatest comforter. Listen to a couple of these verses or a couple of the things that the Bible says about God. Psalm 147 verse 3. It says, He heals the broken hearted. He binds up their wounds. I love that. Psalm 53, this one is amazing to me. Maybe you've heard it before. It says that he counts our tears and keeps them in a bottle. Like, he actually notices every tear we cry. Matthew 11, Jesus says, Come to me when you're burdened and weighed down. When you're heavy laden, the verse says, come to me and I will give you rest. In John 14, verse 26, the Holy Spirit is called the Comforter. And in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3, God is called the Father of mercy, the God of all comfort. If you're here this morning and you yourself are in need of comfort, If you're struggling or grieving, if you're wounded or you're hurting, know that God is your greatest resource. He sees and cares about all of the pain that you are experiencing. He loves you and is longing to comfort you in really personal and really intimate ways because he is the God of all comfort. The Bible also says that we can and we should comfort one another. There are several places in scripture that just straight out command us, comfort one another, comfort one another with this word, um, be a comfort to each other. But in second Corinthians verse one, I mean chapter one, verse three, it says this, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the one that says he's the God of all comfort, the father of mercies, the God of all comfort. Now listen to this, who comforts us, In our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves have been comforted by God. Meaning, God comforts us so that we can be a source of comfort for others. The greatest comforter is asking us to join him in that beautiful work of bringing Consolation to somebody else. By definition, the word comfort, it just means, this is kind of cool, I think, it just means to strengthen, to make strong, or to help. That's what it means. So, how can we be used by God to help or to make someone else strong? Maybe at this point in the teaching, you're ready. You're ready for me to tell you, okay, what do I actually do then? all right, I get it. God is a God of all comfort. He's asking me to comfort. I want to do it, but how? And maybe if you've been around the block or two, you know, like, gosh, sometimes people are going through things that I have never been through or that are really almost intimidating to, like, pursue them in because it's really hard or it's really challenging or I don't understand it or they're emotionally overwhelmed and I'm emotionally overwhelmed by their thing. Like, What do I do? Well, at the end of our time, like Bree said, she's really going to give you a lot of resources that can help you with that. And some of these women who are going to share, maybe some of the things that they share, maybe their testimonies can help you with that. But right now, I just want you to think about an example with me. I want you to catch a vision for comforting one another in the same way that our physical bodies respond to a wound okay? Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians 12 that as Christians, collectively, we are the body of Christ, right? We're one body, we're made up of many parts, and all the parts, both in our physical body and in the spiritual body of Christ, we're interdependent, like we need each other. He even goes so far, Paul, goes so far as to say that if one member of our spiritual body is hurting, we're all hurting with it. So, Just like the human body seeks to heal itself from a cut, we as the body of Christ should really aim to bring comfort to a sister that is hurting. So bear with me as we think about this picture. Listen to everything that happens in our body so that it can heal from the simplest of cuts. Okay, so let's say you cut yourself, right? Even just a little paper cut, but probably maybe a little bit deeper than a paper cut. You cut yourself, you're in pain, Let's say you're bleeding. Within minutes, even seconds, okay, certain blood cells come, called platelets, and they clump together and they form a clot. And their whole goal is to protect your wound and to prevent further blood loss. In that same first stage, there's this little protein that comes along called fibrin, and he forms, or he, it's not a boy, um, it forms a net. And it holds that blood clot that the platelets create. It holds it in place. And eventually the clot that, that the platelets and the fibrin together made, eventually that forms out, dries out and forms a scap. That's stage one. Stage two is like inflammation. Once that wound is closed a little bit with a blood clot, your blood vessels, they open up. That's their job. They get the cue. they open up. They don't open up before that. Their job is to open up to allow fresh nutrients and oxygen to get to that wound so the wound can heal. Then another type of blood cell, a white blood cell called the macrophage, he takes on, oh, I said he again, it takes on the role of wound protector. It's fighting infection, and it's overseeing the repair process, and those same white blood cells They send out chemical messengers called growth factors that also help repair your wound. This is just from a cut. Okay, stage three, the growth and rebuilding process. After all of that happens, and only after all that happens, then oxygen-rich red blood cells come in. They come in, and they start rebuilding new tissue so that that cut can come back together so you have new skin there other chemical messengers come along and they start sending signals to certain cells so that collagen is made and more tissues begin to come to to come alive and then the last step is the strengthening process over time the new tissues get stronger and stronger and eventually your wound is healed okay your wound heals in stages and listen to this if this isn't the best parallel you've ever heard The smaller the wound, the sooner it will usually heal, but the larger or deeper the wound, the longer it takes to heal. That's all straight from the John Hopkins University website. That's how a cut heals, that's how our body heals themselves. But did you notice how many players are involved? There's platelets, there's fibrins, there's blood vessels and white blood cells and nutrients and oxygen and red blood cells and collagen and chemical messengers. Our body needs all these players at the right time doing their part in order for a simple cut to heal. Now, before I can go any further, I have to say, disclaimer, of course this is just a picture. Don't take it too far. We can't... um, I'm going to tell you how some of us can compare to some of these parts, these, these cells and all of that. I'm going to draw a picture of that. But I don't want you to think that we can just impose ourselves into somebody else's deli- life and pain and demand that they allow us to take on a role of like protector over their hurt or overseer of their healing. No, we can't force our way into someone's pain. So that's where my analogy breaks out. And of course, ultimately, healing comes from God. We just kind of sensitively avail ourselves to be a part of the process. But let's go back to the analogy for a minute. Maybe you, in seeking to love somebody by comforting them, maybe you can be like those first responders, the platelets, the fibrins. Maybe you're going to be the first one on the scene. You're doing whatever you can do to help with that initial hurt. Maybe you're picking up a kid from school. Maybe you're driving somebody to the hospital. Maybe you're sitting on the floor with them as they weep and you're just listening. You're a first responder to that initial pain. You could do that. You could be a resource of comfort to somebody by responding to that initial pain. You could be part of their healing process. Maybe you're gonna be like the blood vessels. Maybe you're gonna be someone in another woman's life that just opens up and clears the way for helpful healing resources to get through. Maybe you babysit, maybe you house clean, maybe you give generously so that they could go to a doctor or see a counselor or pay a bill. Maybe you're gonna be like the oxygen and the nutrients. Maybe you have resources that can contribute to someone's healing. I can tell you right now, a a meal is a huge contribution to somebody's healing. Maybe you're that kind of nutrients. Maybe you drop off a helpful book. Maybe you'll send some worship music that's just like soul nutrients. Maybe you're like the red blood cells. You're part of the rebuilding process. For you, that could look like providing more long-term help consistent, daily, even weekly for an extended amount of time because you're invested in the long game. You're there for the rebuilding process. Maybe you commit to driving somebody to their chemotherapy for every appointment. Maybe you commit to weekly babysitting kids or taking care of pets. Maybe weekly you have somebody over to your house for a meal just to keep checking in on how they're doing as they process a difficult thing. Are you getting the picture? We have the opportunity in small and big ways to bring comfort to the women around us. And just like Jesus demonstrated his love by laying down his life, these acts of comfort are a way that we can love one another. So before we move on to our time of testimonies, I just want to encourage you with two simple things. Firstly, if you're here this morning and you yourself are in need of comfort, please reach out to the Lord. Go to our greatest comforter. But also, reach out to your body. Reach out to this body right here. I encourage you, take advantage of, pursue the body of Christ around you. Bree's even going to talk about some resources inside of our church that are available to you. As you process your pain. Don't stay alone in your pain. Please. We can't actually heal you the body of Christ. But you never know. You never know how accepting even the most simple act of love. Just allows you. To maybe take a deeper breath. In a moment where you feel like you're. Swimming in over your head. Okay and secondly. I want to encourage you with this. Look. For opportunities around you to comfort someone else. Really sincerely be praying and asking God to open up your eyes. Who is in your life right now? Maybe just one individual. Who is in your life right now that you might be able to comfort? And ask God how. What you could do to comfort them. I think sometimes we even avoid helping because we minimize the value of the smallest acts and think that they're insignificant. But I'm here to tell you that a text message, it matters. A meal, it matters. At the least, someone who's hurting, they're just strengthened by the attention. Knowing that they're seen and knowing that they're not totally alone, that even is something that contributes to that healing process. So ask God to show you who you might be a source of comfort to and how. Ladies, we are just not meant to do this life alone. God made us a body of believers for a reason. We're the body of Christ, and we need each other. So whether you need comfort, or whether you can be a source of comfort, I just encourage you, reach out to one another. All right? Okay, and with that, I'm going to invite our women who are going to share their testimonies up to the front. So if... um, Joanne, if you could be the first one, and then Sarah, you're gonna be next. This is Joanne Iwamoto, and she is going to, by the, oh, thank you, Bernard. Um, She's gonna share her story with you. So would you welcome Joanne.
1: Thank you. Good morning, ladies. My name is Joanne Iwamoto, and I want to thank the women's ministry team for asking me to share. I will share with you some moments I witnessed and those of comfort right before and after my husband, Doug, passed away. Doug passed on February 23, 2015, from bladder cancer. Psalms 23 best describes my life at that moment and the period of time following Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Indeed, God comforted me through the darkest times of my life. My nephew told me that God had an awesome plan for me. To be very honest, I was having trouble believing it could be awesome. But through my own witness of what God had planned... And with those he brought in my life, it helped me to navigate the path to where I am today. And this is the story I would like to share. Pastor Jeff patiently led Doug to his salvation. It took some time, but he accepted Jesus Christ 14 days before he passed. My family and I were a witness to leading, teaching, and encouraging. This was heart comfort for me. I met Denise in 2006 when I joined a Bible study. The same sisters that were in this group, Linda, Peggy, Shar, Binky, Jana, Carol, and Michelle, to name a few, prayed and supported me during some very sad moments. Denise became my counselor and coach. She helped me identify scripture to meditate on and then helped me place all those ragged emotions in a place that I can understand and accept through his word. My sister Janet has walked beside me all my life. I was 38 when our mom passed and she has taken that place of mother, sister, friend, and encourager of faith. Janet came beside me to help me care for Doug in the last eight months of his life. This was her sacrifice. She traveled back and forth from Tucson, being away from her family. She is my comfort. Renee encouraged me to attend the widow's lunch at Carolyn Stewart's house. I believe she knew when it was the right time to say, come, Joanne, join us. I was a bit apprehensive to take this first step. She met me at the Tarpey's parking lot before and helped me prepare. I was simply overwhelmed to find a group of widows who knew exactly what I was feeling from the moment they spoke. This is the quote unquote club that no one really wants to join. I hope the examples that I've shared so far tells you that comfort comes in many different forms. But this brings me to a poignant moment. It had been about six months after Doug passed. I was walking my dog, Jack, and we lived at the top of a hill. We were walking up. I didn't think I was gonna make that haul, and with each step, I felt as I was sinking into the pavement. I learned from these moments to call out, help me, Jesus. I made it home, And I called Carolyn. I asked her if she could come over, have dinner, and spend the night. Within 45 minutes, she was at my door. We talked, prayed, and then talked some more. She listened a lot. This is quiet comfort and how Jesus interceded for me. After breakfast the next morning, I showed her a tote I was sewing and asked if she wanted to help We sat next to each other at the sewing machine. Her task was to sew the seams. I prepped the material, ironed and pinned. And as we were talking, I asked, what if we made tote bags and gave them to women who were in the midst of a trial? Spiritual blessings are tied up in trials. And that was the beginning of a small project. I continued to sew these bags, and I named them Trial Totes. I asked Denise if she could give them to women who were going through a trial. So we enclosed reading materials and a bookmark with a sentiment, you're not alone and someone is thinking of you. This is not a story about the tote. This is about giving encouragement and coming beside someone who needs it. Doug's death perfected my understanding of what it means to encourage others. One of my favorite verses, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declared the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Yes, my nephew was right. God had an awesome plan for me. Doug's death has been a heartbreak, but it has brought me closer to Jesus Christ, and it does make me pause when I want to ask Why in times of deep trouble?
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Joanne. I think we can all see something we could do for somebody else. I love that Carolyn just came to her house and sat with her and even spent the night with her. Just that practical act of love. Okay, Sarah, would you welcome up with me? This is Sarah Hargett. And she's a longtime member here at Calvary, and she's got a different kind of story to tell you. But um, I'll let her talk.
2: (laughs) Hello. Um, As Christina said, my name is Sarah Hargett. And I have to use this because I talk with my hands, so I might knock it out of my hand. Anyway, um, I love that how God works. One of my scripture verses I'm going to share is Psalm 23. And I was like, no way. Anyway, so our God is not a God of accidents or, you know, things are all weaved together to encourage us. And maybe you need to write down Psalm 23, because if two of us have said it, he's speaking to someone. So (laughs) write down Psalm 23. Um, Anyway, our theme is about loving one another through comfort. And my personal story um, is not of death for me at this time, but um, of a big trial, um, health trial, I guess you could say. Um, Sunday, March 15th, 2020, Yes, a couple days before COVID closed down and everything, I was eight months pregnant with my fifth child, and it was the Sunday where uh, Pastor Nate was like, let's have it at home, because it was on the rise of COVID, you know, and so we stayed home, watched church on the TV, and all of a sudden, I began to feel off, and I was at the beginning of a stroke. I'm 36, or was, uh, eight months pregnant, and about I had no idea what was going on. In fact, I was just like, something's wrong, and my husband's like, we're going now. I wanted to take a shower, but, you know, he said no. So (laughs) we, to start off that whole comfort thing, God, my husband works a lot, for those who know my husband, God worked out every single detail, I mean, literally, from my husband being there to one of my best friends who has the same amount of kids as I do showing up at the hospital when we get there. She whisked off my kids so I don't have to worry about them. I know they would be prayed over, comforted over. They were even fed and bathed, like, good job. (laughs) And another one of my friends who's a doctor there had already called ahead, had a room waiting for me. There was like 5 million people there, which is a little weird, but they'd already called my OB and got the... um, permission to give me something called TSP, which basically stops the stroke from reaching the brain. And so right when I walked in, I just basically sign here, and we're giving you this. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, everyone around me was kind of crazy and frantic, especially since they're like, oh, my gosh, she's pregnant. It's like, it's not the end of the world, guys, you know. It's, uh. So it's just scary dealing with that for them. But the weird thing is when I replay it now, I'm like, wow, I literally had complete peace. I don't know about my husband, but um, <laughs> I wasn't, my mind didn't even go like, oh, you know, stroke or, you know, I could be paralyzed or I could, nothing. I was just like, something's weird. And I felt that was how God comforted me. He literally, before I knew this was that big of a deal, he literally already prepared my heart by giving me peace, by giving me t- complete um, uh, complete. Sorry, I lost calmness. That's what I was trying to say. Like even the nurses are. Oh, oh, oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! You know. Oh, 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 we call this. Let's call the doctor again. And everyone around me is frantic. There's like five doctors and 20 million nurses, and um, it was chaotic. Like literally, I got the drug, ran in to get MRIs and CAT scans and a million things, and I was in the ICU for three days. And then I mean, I was there a long time. But as you can see, my face doesn't troop, I don't have a speech problem. My brain is totally fine. There was nothing on the scan. Like the doctor's like, well, maybe it wasn't a stroke. I'm like, you must not know God. <laughs> because this is called a miracle. I mean, my baby was fine. I didn't go into labor. She's almost two, completely healthy. I mean, literally, it's a modern day miracle. And just how doctors, and it was so funny, they'd be, I had people coming and studying me, and I'm just like, Do you know Jesus? <laughs> and it was it was just amazing like how are you so calm like you could have all this I'm like i could but i believe in something higher and god had given me the middle name for our baby and her middle name was hope and i'm like if god hadn't given me that preparing me ahead of time back on our very first night of worship on august 20th 2009 brie was praying with me because i wasn't really wanting a fifth child and i was like i'm gonna die um and God had already given me that because that night of worship was when Dania and Brenton led, and Daniel was going through a difficult time. And the entire message was for me. Um, it was from Psalm 111, um, verse 4, which says, uh, this is the ERV version. He does amazing things, so we remember the Lord is kind and the Lord is merciful. God prepped me in August for this upcoming stroke. Sometimes he works on us a long time. You know, and it's like, I don't know why that message was for me at that moment. And then they also sang this amazing song. If you've never heard it, I'm sorry if I talk too fast, I talk fast. Um, called Yes, I Will by Vertical Worship. And um, I, at first, I prayed that, play that song because I was like, okay, Lord, this isn't a trial. It's a blessing, it's a baby, but that's a lot of kids, and it's kind of overwhelming, and I can't do this. And he's like, it's not about you. I formed her. I have a purpose for her. And by the way, you're gonna, and one of the messages that kept saying, whoever was speaking, I don't remember, kept saying, hope, 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 hope. And I, we didn't know the gender. I had just found out that day, and I came bawling debris, and she prayed with me. Um, and I was like, are you telling me it's a girl, God? But, I mean, I guess a boy can be named Hope. But anyway, I was like, we're going to write that down. And sure enough, that Hope and that song, when I was in – the ER, God gave me that comfort again, sing that song. And then it was like this trial because, oh, this is a big deal. It's not that, oh, something's wrong. I might maybe have a cough or something. No, you've got to be at the ICU for three days. And so I was like, well, I'll sing this song because I'm getting pricked like a pin every five seconds, and I'm claustrophobic, so going in those MRI things are freaky. And having a baby, do you know, you're not supposed to move. Can you tell a baby that? Stop moving. We're doing an MRI. They had to do it twice, and I had to go out and breathe. And one of my girlfriends, an amazing way to comfort people is um, I don't remember, one of you ladies said that is the text. I was literally like shaking, like, honey, I can't have another MRI. I just can't do this. And one of my girlfriends sent me a scripture verse, and she's like, Pray this, or here. Great is thy faithfulness, which is the same thing they say in that night of worship. Great is thy faithfulness. And I'm like, well, oh, that's weird. They spoke on that. i got to go back to my notes because I took it on my, my phone. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's the exact hymn they sing at night of worship. And it's, you know, part of the great is thy faithfulness hymn is, you know, strength for today. And that kind of was my thing. Is okay, Lord, you brought me that comfort then. You're going to give me that comfort now day by day. And I had other friends. I don't know how many prayer lists I was on. Some people I didn't even know were texting me. I'm like, oh, someone's praying. I don't even know what this is, but they're praying. I mean, that's what I love, too. It doesn't have to be this huge thing. I mean, I was put on, I have a bunch of friends around the world. People in Spain were praying for me because one of my Good friends as a pastor's wife in Spain. Um, I have people in Southern California. I was on our church list. And then churches around the community. Because I've been to SVCC before. I've done mops there. A bunch of my old friends there had me on their prayer list there. Uh, Shoreline, Cypress. I mean, it doesn't have to be your church. It's like we are all the body of Christ. We should be starting those prayer chains. Or, you know, your, your home study group. Start a prayer chain there, you know. And it doesn't have to be this, you know, huge thing. And that was so comforting. I even had one lady a couple days ago who knew I was speaking and I've never really spoke before, so I'm kind of nervous. She called me and knew I couldn't answer because I have five kids. She left me a voicemail. It was a prayer. Yeah, call me in like 20 years, then I can answer the phone. Um, she left me a voicemail of prayer. She literally prayed over me. And that I love because I say do that. Tell your friend, by the way, if you're having a hard time, don't answer the phone. I'm going to leave you a message and do a prayer because I can play that over and over. If I'm having a hard time, that voice of a sister in Christ who that moment was praying for you. not that It's okay to send a text I'm praying for you. But to me, when I was in that hard time and they know I'm claustrophobic, <laughs> you know, the valley of shadow of death is that machine. Um, I said that verse a lot. I know a lot of scriptures. I was in Iwana, guys. And I, only what I can remember was Psalm 23. I'm like, can I have another verse, God? Because this is like, this is, this is daunting. So... Um, then I just started praying for people because I'm like, i got to get my mind off the valley of shadow of death because now I'm starting to hyperventilate. So maybe that's not the best thing if you're claustrophobic. But my point is is that I love how the Lord comforted me months ahead of time before I knew I needed it. I thought it was just for being pregnant, which it was a great comfort. But God uses sometimes the thing in multiple ways because we're human, right? And to get it in our brain, we need that same repetition. Again, going back to Psalm 23. Someone write that down. Someone needs that. <clears throat> Anyway, so that's how I felt the Lord comforted me. Um, and just all those details worked out like, wow, God, you really have this. I don't have to fear. You gave me her name is Hope. Why would you tell me that if I was, let's say, worst of worst going to die? You know, I don't feel you would have. I mean, I just felt like we were totally safe. And even if we did, I'm going to heaven. So it's a better place. <laughs> the only thing I worry about is my poor kids and my husband. And, you know, just seeing how the Lord just comforted him too. And I had... Men of the church who we were in um, life group for many years, and those men heard about it, and they wrote him. And men, that's hard for men to do, right? You know, encourage your husbands, too. Just sending them a text, that means a lot to a man. Like, hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, by the way, um, my wife's bringing you a meal tonight. Like, yeah, we know the wife talked to the wife, but having your husband or, you know, boyfriend or brother or, you know, someone in Christ reach out to the man, that's a big deal. Because they can't express feelings. I know this is not about men, but I'm just saying from my husband's standpoint, he was scared. I was at peace, but I'm like, oh yeah, God, can you give him some of that? You know, um, so, uh, and then that's, the Lord just did amazing things, and he's, I'm just, I, now when I was writing this down, I was told I wasn't allowed to cry, because other people around me are going to cry, you know, the before and after me, but you know, when I go through what God's done in my life, it's so hard not to be like, oh my gosh, my story's amazing. (laughs) Like, like, I have no problems. Like, that's a miracle. And, like, it just was so cool to see God work when they're like, should we do the scan again? Maybe something's wrong. And you're like, no. Do you want to know more about God? Like, because there's a lot of miracles in the Bible. And, you know, just it was awesome seeing these doctors literally, like, well, something's wrong. No, no, it's not. You know, and just, you know, I just, and I started praying for those nurses. Maybe they need, you know, something about God. So I wasn't like preaching at them, but I'm like, hey, if you want to talk, <laughs> I can explain what's going on with me. And just that little door, you never know who you're going to minister to in your hard times. See, I talk with my hands. This is why I can't hold the mic. Um, and that's too, like, you don't know who you're going to reach out to. You think, oh, my gosh, this is horrible for me. And, you know, just remembering it's not about you. You are becoming more like Christ daily. How are we going to do that if it's all easy, right? You know, it's, you've got to have those bumpy times when what do we do? We push into Jesus. And it's like, oh, I do remember what you taught me. Yes, night of worship. Lord, you know, it's, it's just like so awesome to see an actual real life, you know. So just to encourage some things that really made a difference in my life when people reached out and comforted me as a person. Um, where, like I said, those voicemails. If they're going through something hard, sometimes they really don't want to talk. So say, hey, I'm going to leave your voice down and pray over them. Pray specific things. Um, I love that a lot. Or send a hymn. Hymns have amazing things in them. And I just, I my favorite is beat That My Vision. So then I was like singing that then I got stuck on some parts and then I was like, okay, we'll go back to Grace Thy Faithfulness. So send them a hymn too. Like a, a link, we could go on YouTube, click it, send it. Those were amazing. I was singing hymns, those two hymns, all the time and just meditating on those about, and the Yes I Will. I love that song too. Um, food Chain, as Uh, Christina mentioned is amazing. Amazing. Like, especially his moms. who's the one who usually has to cook (laughs) us. (laughs) So if you're trying to even heal or even if you're mentally going through a lot, those meals are a huge deal. And for me, like, I do have five kids and sometimes they are hard to bring. I get it. Believe me. I get it. So if I know there's an upcoming meal train for someone who's sick or someone that's having a baby or someone that lost a husband, I double whatever I'm making and then I put it in a disposable thing so they don't have to worry about getting the dish to me drop it off. It doesn't have to be dinner. It could be breakfast. It could even be takeout. I've done that before. But then I put it in the, the, the bin. No, just kidding. I didn't do that. Put it in the bin. Oh, I made this. <laughs> I might have done that. But you can also s- <laughs> send, okay, I've got to hurry up. You can also send gift cards too. Um, goodie bags for kids. Um, flowers if you're not local. Anyway, my whole point is comforting doesn't have to be this big deal. It's those little things that make the huge difference. Um, you know, it's like you can miss out if you're like, I can't do that. I'm not a good cook. Do what you can do and bless that sister in Christ. That's, yeah, I talked too long. But anyway, that's just what I have to say is that,
0: yeah. Thank you, Sarah. That's, that's a great Great testimony of the Lord and also the women in her life and the church around her. That's just so cool. Goodie bags for kids. I never thought about that. We're going to welcome up Denise Buck. She's going to be our last testimony. But yeah, goodie bags for kids. What a great idea. That's cool. Okay. Without further ado, here is Denise.
3: Yeah. Hi, everybody. Uh, My name is Denise. I'm Pastor Jeff's wife. For those of you who do not know me. Um, so Christina and the team asked me to share about something that happened years and years ago. So it took me a little while to like, think through some of the details again. But uh, Jeff and I were married in 1975, and uh, we decided to wait a little while before starting a family, mostly me dragging my feet, just being like, "Nah, I just want to coast a little bit here. And then after about four years, um, we had our first beautiful baby girl, and I absolutely fell in love. I wasn't ever sure that I wanted to be a mom or that I thought I would be a good mom. But uh, the day they put Elizabeth in my arms, I was just in awe. And so I loved being a mom and I loved Elizabeth so much. And then three years later, we were pregnant again and we had Carolyn. And so now I had my two little girls and we seemed very content. And then in 1985, 10 years after we were married, we started um, contemplating a move to South Florida. And we lived in the Kansas City area at the time. And so in contemplating this move, we just we didn't talk about it a lot. We were just kind of like, yeah, we should probably put the bigger family thing on hold for a minute. And, but we loved having kids. Some of our favorite psalms are Psalm 127 and Psalm 128. And both of those psalms talk about children being a gift and children being a reward, children being a blessing, and we totally agree with all that. And so we were started just in contemplation, thinking about this move and thinking about, okay, we should pause a little bit before we plan more children. And then, lo and behold, I went in for a doctor appointment, and I was pregnant. And this pregnancy just seemed different to me. And this pregnancy seemed like even more of a gift because we weren't really planning it. And this baby seemed even more special. And of course, in my humanness, I was like, this might be my little boy. I had always wanted to have a little boy. And like Sarah, it was so interesting that Sarah shared that. I felt like the Lord gave me uh, a name for this baby. And I was just over the moon thrilled. At about 11 or 12 weeks, um, I went in for another OBGYN check, and he was like, As always, you're doing great. Everything measures great. You're perfect. Just keep doing what you're doing. And uh, the next day, I started bleeding. And so, you know, you kind of, you know, there's different things that happen. I've talked with girls before who have that happen, and it's like, no big deal. It passes, and you still have a pregnancy, but not for me. Um, it just continued and continued, and within a day or two, I lost that baby. And I know that miscarriage is something relatively common. Um, I think miscarriage is something that's not talked about enough. And the interesting, a few interesting things about suffering a miscarriage, suffering the loss of a miscarriage, that's different than, like, I had lost my dad when I was 15. Uh, there had been other relatives in my family that had passed. But the thing about suffering a miscarriage that is very specific and particular is in a, in a large way, especially if you miscarry in the first three to four to six months or whatever, nobody else really has a relationship with that baby. But you do. And you've prayed over that baby and you've placed hopes and dreams in that baby And that baby is something that your whole year revolves around to the culmination of having that baby and being able to hold that baby. And so it can be a very lonely loss. So um, anyway, we went through the miscarriage, went back to my church. We hadn't made the circle really big of people we had told. And people were very kind. I appreciated so much. Uh, got, I we had back, actually been traveling on the weekend that I miscarried. I, I had to go to a hospital that was a strange hospital, and people weren't around. Went back uh, home and had some time at home. And as Jeff let people know what had happened, um, they, there was the flowers, there were the cards, there were the kind voicemails, there were um, uh, meals brought. There were, they did all the right things. But then a thing that happens also with miscarriages, for at least for me, my, if you've had a miscarriage, it might have been different for you. But at least for me, it was like, in that my my world stopped. All my hopes, dreams, aspirations of what was going to happen that year, my world stopped. But everybody else was still getting together for dinners, having parties, planning weddings, doing all their things, and I was like, what is wrong with these people? Don't they know? that my world is upside down. And so it took longer for me to recover from that than I could have ever imagined. I'd been a Christian for a long time, had been in church for a long time, had memorized scripture for a long time, Yeah, I was devastated. And I didn't want to admit that I was devastated. Nobody wants to admit they're devastated. And especially once it goes on for a while, the comments change from sympathy and sorrow to, oh, you should be over that by now. And so um, I started isolating, and it's like one of the worst things you can do. So in that isolation, um, one of the evenings that I had creatively devised a plan to skip midweek service again, and I'm the pastor's wife, um, I was sitting at home by myself well, with my two older children, a six-year-old and a three-year-old, playing with them on the floor, and the tears just came in buckets full. And I was just crying out to God, saying, God, when am I going to heal from this? And the Lord spoke to me. And however the Lord speaks to you, I love Psalm 29. It says the Lord speaks in so many different ways. And the Lord spoke to me and said, why can't you give this to me? You've given me your life. You've given me your marriage. You've given me your career. You've given me your church. You've given me your healthy children why can't you give this to me? The pain, the sorrow, the disappointment, why can't you give this to me? And I said, because if I let go of this, like the only one really experiencing this, if I let go of this, I don't know where it will go. I don't know if it'll go in the enemy's hands. I don't know if it'll just go out into oblivion someplace. And again, the Lord spoke. And he said, Denise... When you let go of this, there's no space between your fingertips and my loving arms. So just lift it up to me. Let go of it tonight, and I'm going to have a hold of it. I'm going to I'm going to carry it. I will carry it for you. So, I kind of had that little transaction with the Lord and my healing began. So that was one of the big ways that the Lord really comforted me in that very personal, private loss that um, it's difficult for a lot of people to have sympathy for, especially over a period of time. I wish I could say everything was coming up roses after that, um, but just being the woman that I am, um, I continued in creative ways to isolate. And so um, I had some very dear friends. We'd been in this church for a while and with this group of people for for a while. I had some very good friends. And... Um, one morning my one of my dearest friends called me and she said you know I feel like we just need to get out of the house together I'll come over and pick you up and I feel like we just need to go do something fun do a fun outing with the kids and I was like yeah eh, it's okay and the next week She called those weekly things, those daily things. The next week, she called me again, and she said, you know what, I'm attending this awesome Bible study right now, Denise, I really want you to come with me, they have childcare, it'll be fun, you can sit by me, you don't have to talk to anybody. I was like, no, it's okay, I'm good, I'm gonna read my Bible here at home, by myself. (laughs) And uh, she called me the next week, and she said, you know, there's a library story hour, we can take the kids, and we can go to the library, and I was like, no, it's okay, I have, I have Dr. Seuss books here. Like, I can play library with, I'm good. And so that was in the fourth, I believe it was the fourth week. It could have been, I kept on for a while. And she called, and I declined again. And then I put my kids in front of a show, crawled back in bed, pulled the covers up. And wasn't maybe 20 minutes, and I heard this gentle knock on the door. And I heard a key in the door. We had keys to each other's houses because we were good friends. Heard a key in the door, opened the door, heard these steps coming down the hall. She walked in my bedroom. She sat down beside me on the bed. She stroked my hair. And she said, okay, sweetie, I see what's happening here. But you're going to get up and take a shower. I'm going to pack a picnic. We're going to the park. And I'm going to listen. And you can talk to me about anything you want to talk about. So that was kind of the next step of a really big healing in my heart. And just getting back out around people and just kind of being okay with things. So sometimes we need to be invasive. You know, sometimes you're invited into people's pain to help them carry that pain. But other times, the Holy Spirit might just prompt you. You know what? You need to go see her. She is hurting. And sometimes, like, Jesus didn't stay in heaven. Jesus came while we were still sinners and is what it says in Romans. So I'm going to close just by reading what Christina already read but just a little uh, couple verses behind it. This is in 2 Corinthians 1 starting in verse 3. The Bible says blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our tribulation That we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we have received, we may be able to comfort them. So, a few ways that uh, this very sad for me experience I feel like really opened some new doors and equipped me is I feel like before I'd had that experience, I would never be able to get up and share about it. And I've shared about it, not recently so much, but back in those years, I shared about it often. And I could sympathize with women who had had other losses, various different losses in their lives. And I could do it with a lot more compassion than I'd ever had before and with a lot more understanding than I'd ever had before. And I could also uh, one-on-one really empathize with women who had lost – Children or family members or parents or siblings, I could actually empathize with them and not just sympathize with them. And I feel like the other way the Lord really used that uh, trial in my life to help me and uh, equip me to be available to anyone in need is just to be able to pray, to really pray in a more consistent way and an intelligent way and a compassionate way for the women around me. So my encouragement to you, just like Christina said, if there's a pain in your heart from some experience that you've never been able to share, um, find someone to reach out to, one-on-one, in a small group. It's so important for us to share things together, to carry things together, and not try to do it alone. Thank you.